Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Welcome to the Vital Dawn podcast for Friday, April 3rd. S&P futures are trading off about 30 points. That's about 1.2%. Europe is down about 60 basis points. Asia finished in the red for the most part, although the declines were relatively mild. Um, so not too much to talk about this morning. There really were not too many major macro headlines out overnight. Oil remains very much in focus. So Brent is trading up about 5% this morning. Recall yesterday, there was a ton of noise around crude. Um, I have a big update on oil in this morning's Vital Dawn. So I'll just try to run through um, some of the top level some of the top level themes and trends. So obviously, you had Trump come out yesterday, talk about this 10 billion barrel cut um, that he anticipates being announced. Not quite sure where that number came from. Um, I'm not quite sure if it was just completely fabricated or it's, uh, you know, I think one report this morning called it a quote unquote aspirational number. Regardless, so the OPEC plus group of com- uh, countries will be holding a meeting this Monday. Um, so that's that's incremental. Yesterday, Saudi Arabia just called for a meeting. That meeting has now been scheduled for Monday. Um, you know, I continue to think oil at these prices is, is positive for no one. And so it's not surprising that you see several different countries, producers, et cetera, agitating for action on the supply front. Um, but I think it's very unlikely you're going to see 10 million barrels get taken offline. I run through some of the math. Um, you know, that's a huge chunk of, of Saudi Arabia, Russian, and even the entire OPEC plus coalition of countries. That's a large chunk of their output. It's not just going to be taken offline. There are reports that if every single country in the G20 were to get together and coordinate on supply, 10 million barrels is possible, um, but that's very unlikely to occur. Um, it, you know, it's it's not even legal in the U.S. for the producers to coordinate on supply, on output. Um, so I, I find it very difficult to see them get to 10 million barrels. But nonetheless, it is positive that, you know, Saudi Arabia and Russia at least are searching for an exit ramp from, from this kind of price market share battle that they for some reason kicked off um, in the middle of March during a complete depression of oil demand. Um, you know, depending on what estimate you look at, you could see crude demand collapse 20 to 30 million barrels a day during the trough of this coronavirus um, crisis. So it just never made much sense to see, um, you know, supply increase in that environment. That'd be similar to the Fed actually hiking rates right now. So, you know, you are definitely seeing the countries come together. They are kind of, I think, appreciating errors of their their March decision on supply. It's just a question of what actually occurs. And, and so I think you're going to see a lot more headlines. You're going to see a lot of suggestive headlines. It's very unlikely to get to 10 million barrels. And even if you were to get to 10 million barrels, it probably will not matter much given how much demand is collapsing. So small positive that you are, you know, they are coming together and, and trying to discuss supply. I just, I'm, I'm skeptical that you're going to see anything real substantive come out of it. Um, so that's kind of my view on OPEC. Like I said, I have a much broader discussion in the piece today, and that meeting is coming up on Monday. So you expect a lot more headlines. Um, you know, the one positive that you are seeing on on oil, and this kind of gets to this whole theme of China gradually recovering from its coronavirus shutdown. Um, you know, the major refiners in China are apparently going to be hiking their April output about ten percent. 
not a huge increase, but you know, certainly encouraging because domestic demand is improving. Um, and you've seen a ton of anecdotal evidence pointing to the same thing. Um, yesterday it was reported that airline activity, airlines um, expect an increase in traffic in April. Again, still down substantially from the pre-coronavirus levels, but China is gradually recovering as the limits are lifted on its economy. I know there's been a lot of reporting, a lot of uh, uh, you know conspiracy theories about China covering up the true extent of its coronavirus crisis, and that probably to some extent is true. Um, but the activity on the ground, as far as restrictions and economic activity, you know, I don't think that is a conspiracy. So clearly, there is a recovery occurring in China in terms of the economy, um, and that is positive for for the globe, obviously. Um, China at five a.m. today, the PBOC announced some rate actions. Again, I, I would consider these more tweaks than kind of a wholesale um, easing of monetary policy. So they shouldn't change anyone's view of the S&P. They had a targeted um, reserve ratio cut and then a cut in the excess reserve interest rate. Again, these are kind of minor actions. I don't think it, it's dramatic for the overall tape. Um, that's really kind of it in terms of macro news. So the jobs report today at 830. Um, you know, these monthly reports, I think, are largely irrelevant, especially this one for March specifically, where the reference week was earlier in March. Um, you know, clearly the economy started to crater aggressively towards the middle of the March, uh, middle of the month, rather. So the reference week for this report looks like it's going to miss, um, you know, the steep decline in activity. Investors very much are more focused on these weekly claims figures, which provide the most immediate insight into the underlying economy. So I think yesterday's number on the claims is really what people cared about today. It's probably just going to be a lot of uh, more noise, I think, than, than an actual real reading into the underlying economy. Investors appreciate you're going to see, um, you know, and, and just taking a step back again on, on the overall tape, um, I, you know, I feel that we're at a crossroads here and I'm very mixed in that I think April is going to be an awful month of news in terms of company earnings, in terms of economic data. I think you're going to see a lot of horrible messaging. I think you're going to see a lot more debt restructuring headlines from a lot of these companies that have just been forced to completely shut down as a result of the coronavirus crisis. Um, but I do think April will be the peak month in terms of the fallout. Um, and so I feel the markets were largely discounting that as part of their um, you know, March slump. So on the one hand, I think that April will be awful in terms of news flow, but I also do think that it will be the peak month. And so I, I'm, I'm more positive, I think, than I was probably a week or two ago. Just in that, I think markets will start to look through April um, you know, to, to an improved environment going forward. Plus the fact, too, you know, the this, this stimulus announcements, and I know the market's been somewhat um, you know, desensitized to them all, but they are very, very substantial in aggregate. Um, and it looks like they're not done yet. So I think you're going to see incremental stimulus um, policy measures, whether it's on monetary front or the fiscal front. Um, and I think that is still going to provide a very important backstop for markets. That will not be enough to drive a rally um, you know, above 2,800 in the S&P, but it, I also think it's going to be make, make it very difficult for stocks to hit new lows. So I think you have that backstop in place, plus markets starting to look through April to when um, you start to see an abatement not a steep decline, but an abatement at least or a plateauing in some of the uh, coronavirus figures from some of the major hotspots globally. Um, and then also looking towards the economy, at least troughing, not necessarily rebounding. So I don't think it's going to be a steep V-shaped recovery, but at least um, you know troughing. So that process um, 
I think will be positive for markets. And then these these drug data, the the drug data that comes out at the end of the month, I think is a major wild card too. Um, and I think the risk reward into that is much more positive. I think to the effect those drugs show efficacy, the upside reaction will be much more positive than if those drugs are shown to not be very um, effective. So the thing to risk reward into that catalyst is um, is positive too. So I lay all that out um, in the uh, that bull bear debate piece that I sent out yesterday, and I'll also have it again in the talking point weekly write up. Um, but so that's my view on the overall tape. Uh, a lot of micro news, it, very similar reports. You're seeing a lot of companies provide preliminary commentary on Q1 now that the quarter is closed. Um, and the, the theme is nearly entirely the same. January and February were solid. Things collapsed in March. Um, and and for most companies, there's not really enough visibility to provide a lot of guidance, specific guidance on Q2. So that's the message from nearly everyone. You're seeing a lot more dividend and buyback suspensions. Um, and I think that's, you know, I think that's one of the big reasons why markets have been as volatile as they are too, where you have essentially every major company on the planet either explicitly suspend the buyback or probably are dialing back to the extent they're not um, suspending it outright are certainly dialing back, I think, to pace of buyback. So you're removing a major buyer from the market in terms of companies themselves. Um, and I think that's going to be a lasting legacy of this crisis. I think coming out, the capital return figures are going to be um, you know, down substantially from 2019 at the end of the day. So a lot of individual company reports uh, to that extent out overnight. Um, I detailed everything. And like I said, on the calendar, other than the jobs report at 8.30, and then you have the services ISM um, at 10 a.m., it should be relatively quiet. And just, you know, Trump is meeting with oil industry execs at the White House today, and then you have that OPEC meeting on Monday. So I expect a lot more um, oil noise. I, I doubt you're going to see a lot actual oil news, though. So that is everything uh, for today. Thank you for listening.